Welcome to the Triple Helix Podcast. On this episode of the Triple Helix Podcast, our guest is Heather Flexer. Hey, Heather. Hey, how are you? Great. Thanks to you, a lot of people, when they answer that question, can say, feeling better. So <laughs> why don't you give us a little synopsis of your career and uh, your special skills and knowledge? Sure. I am a doctor of physical therapy by original training. So of course, I work with people all the time with, you know, general aches and pains and after surgery. And then I specialized, which is kind of rare for physical therapists, but I specialized in wound care pretty early on in my career, realizing that I just really loved dealing with wounds, which is odd. But, you know, here we are. Well, that's interesting. What What do you think the attraction is? Obviously, you love to help people. Is there something about that situation that, that kind of Makes you feel more. I felt like it was something that I could easily see a change in. If you put on the right product at the right time and got some buy in from your patient or client, you likely would see healing, which isn't necessarily always the case with, let's say, back pain or hip pain. Like a lot of things are out of your control. So well, that, it was an area that I really liked, you know, being able to be successful in. That's interesting. So you liked being able to see tangible evidence that what you were doing was was working in in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Human biosciences deals with wounds. Their products address wounds all over the world all of the time. But what I wanted to talk to you about was not just the usual things people talk about with wound healing, and you've got a plethora of them on on your blog that are really helpful for every sort of wound that one can imagine. But I also know that you have a handle on kind of both sides of the fence of healing. You work in Western medicine, you work in um, uh, allopathic medicine, very empirical, but also you embrace the whole being, the whole body that, that you think, but a holistic approach to healing really provides the best results. Oh, absolutely. It's all about mind-body, right? You've got to get your mind on the path of healing just as well as you have to get your body ready for it. Let's talk about that. What does it mean for those who maybe don't know that much about this or people who may have wounds or friends or family with wounds? How can people begin to engage their minds in their own healing? Well, a lot of times, I'll just put it in like this context. A lot of times I'm doing um, consulting work with people telehealth-wise um, over the internet where, you know, they're dealing with a wound at home. Obviously, that comes with a lot of anxiety. They feel like they're never going to heal. They feel like they're not getting answers. And it just puts them into almost like a tailspin of emotions. And that never really works out very well for healing. You know, we have our vagus nerve that connects our gut and our brain. So the more we get stressed, everything sort of kind of shuts down a little bit. And often on those appointments, one of the first things I'm needing to do is reassure them that their body wants to heal and we just have to set things up appropriately. And a lot of times they need a lot of reassurance. So through even just the picture that they sent me 
of their wound. And then a week later, then the next picture, I can point out what I'm seeing and kind of reassure them like, look, it's not draining as much. Look, it doesn't look as red and scary. Um, things are going in the right direction. And just easing their mind helps facilitate their healing journey. So you brought up some interesting points. The last thing you said about how the state of mind facilitates healing, Out, outside of stress being tends to delay, shut down, or mm -hmm. negatively affect any, any process in the body. Can you share with us anything you know about what happens in the body when we do begin to relax our minds? Hmm. The Physiologically or chemically? Yeah, the, um, instead of things constricting. So you'll, you know, when someone's in pain, right, they're all tense, their body, their shoulders come up into their ears, they're kind of holding their breath. When we get someone to relax a little bit, we can start to get uh, a deeper breath, that diaphragm starts to relax, which is great for stimulating the lymphatic system, which is like an, a huge part of our immune system that's going to help flush out the waste products, the wounds obviously are requiring blood flow to the area. So just that deep, relaxing breath can start that process in the body. If we're all shut down and squeezed up tight, blood's not flowing, lymph's not flowing, and you're just in this cycle of anxiety. So... In terms of mental state, do you ever recommend to your patients that they learn to meditate or listen to guided meditations or practice yoga? Any anything? Like oh that? yeah, yep. Deep, like deep diaphragmatic breathing is usually one of the the first things we work on. There's tons of apps at this point. Um, I think the pandemic kind of made telehealth and apps and mental health kind of come to the forefront even more as we were all dealing with being locked down more than usual and not having resources and community tightly around us. So absolutely, there's so many resources now. But yeah, that's one of the first things, like when I'm working with a client and I could just tell they're anxious, you could just look at them and tell, I'm like, okay, you're going to take a nice deep breath. <laughs> This is what we're this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're working on. I'll talk you through the whole process, but first let's just take a deep breath and tell me what you want out of this whole process. Oh, that's really great. So you kind of empower them by asking them that question. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can um, guess like as a clinician what they what they want, but it's so much better to get their input. Do people tend to say the same things or or what's what's a typical response? Uh, a lot of folks are worried about their scar, like way before <laughs> the, we, the wounds even closed, you know, like, is this going to leave a scar? Well, probably, but let's try to make it the best possible looking scar we can get. All right. Let, let's make sure you survive, number one. Yeah, let's let's close the wound first and then we'll worry about the scar. So, but that's another anxiety. What's going to happen in a few months when it's all healed? So. Yeah. I guess they're thinking positively. They're assuming that they're going to heal, but yep, <laughs> they jump the gun. They they jump right over to the scar. Anytime I'm laid up from, like you and I were just talking before the pod started, I hurt my back recently, and it it holds me back from doing things I want to do in life. It's an impediment, and that causes me anxiety. Just mm. 
just having anything that changes your lifestyle, I think, can create more stress, unless it's something like a vacation, of course. And then you're worried about like, oh, am I never going to be able to do any of the things I wanted to do? Is it just going to be off the table for me because I have this injury and, and we just have to get past the, the roadblock? Exactly. So on a, on a brain level, we hear a lot today about brain chemistry and endorphins and serotonin and dopamine and various things, uh, cort corticals, is that the right word? And cortisol. Cortisol, sorry. Cortisol and the interplay of these things in our brain. Would you explain a little bit about that and, and how that might affect healing, if at all? Well, cortisol, I feel like would, well, is one, is your stress hormone and is going to limit your, like we talked about your ability to heal. And it's, it's one of those things that like is a compound effect. Like you have to get out of the cycle of this chronic inflammatory state and, and break the cycle and have some fun and relax and find the joy in things, even if you are a little laid up. And finding joy can trigger some of those positive brain chemicals, right? I've heard that laughter and comedy and happy feelings uh, increase the volume of endorphins in our brain. That's probably why we've gotten so obsessed with our phones and watching these silly, you know, dancing videos and animal videos, right? To bring a little levity and joy. I don't know how long you've been into mind-body stuff, but I have been for a lot of my life. I just found it fascinating. But I remember early on, in connection with what we're talking about, there was a writer named uh, Norman Cousins. Do you remember his story? I don't know that story. The, in a nutshell, the one they, the anecdote they always talk about is he was in the hospital long-term. I think he was recovering from cancer. And he started watching comedy on the TV in his room. I think he must have had recordings. Yeah. The Three Stooges, the Marx Brothers, cartoons, whatever made him laugh. And he was laughing so much, it was bothering the other patients. So they insisted that he recover at home. And so I informed my doctor that I was going to get out and we were going to leave the hospital because I realized that, that the hospital may have certain virtues, but it's no place for someone to be sick in. <laughs> I made some interesting discoveries. Uh, I had plenty of hope and plenty of love. Uh, as for laughter, this, this is something that was not beyond my means. And at night, uh, we showed some of the funniest films that we could rent. Uh, and I made the very interesting discovery that 10 minutes of good belly laughter uh, would give me two hours of pain-free sleep. Sure. And, that, and I, dispose, I, I got rid of the painkillers, the codeine, the sleeping pills. The, they were giving me 36 aspirin a day. Uh, and I, I got rid of that and, and went with the things that I believed in. And as I say, I discovered that the uh, that laughter did produce an actual body anesthesia. It was a very exhilarating discovery. Uh, I had a good doctor, a very good doctor, who recognized that the that unless the patient becomes engaged in his own cure, something serious, there's only there's not there's not That's too much he can factor. do. Mm -hmm. But he actually made a full recovery, and he wrote a book about this experience. And it was one of the early kind of foundational books about how attitude can enhance healing and even, in some cases, uh, uh, trigger an unexpected spontaneous remission or rapid, mm -hmm. you know, beyond what the doctors say. Well, yeah, they, I mean, I've heard stories too about, you know, envisioning your body, like attacking the cancer or the disease and you ridding it with your breath 
while you're breathing out, like all the, just that you could really positively affect your health with your mind. Have you seen much evidence of that in your life or in in your clients? I definitely noticed it in folks. I love the like 92 year old lady who you go into their hospital room and you ask them how they are and they're like, I'm fine. Meanwhile, you know, they have a terminal diagnosis, but they're like, like, you want to go for a walk? And they're like, absolutely. If you want to take me and they, you know, they get up and they do fantastic. And you're like, wow, you know, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, and then you go into someone else's room and they're fairly young and, and they just have this whole, you know, woe is me thing going on and, and they're kind of mean and nasty to you. And it just like, they're not doing well and you can't help, but think, well, I'm going to try and have that better attitude. Like if someone wants to work with me, I'm going to work with them and I'm going to greet them with a smile, even if that's not how I maybe feel. Good for you. That's uh, doing good work. Um, Another kind of pivotal personality I, I got into when he first started publishing was uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel. I am Dr. Bernie Siegel, and I'm not a normal doctor. I learned that if you help people to live, wonderful things happen. They didn't die when they were supposed to. And then you begin to see it scientific, you know, to feel good about your life and how people, when they transform their life, whether you call it rebirthing, born again, or anything else, and and they began to enjoy the life they were living, uh, some miraculous things also happened. You know, as Solzhenitsyn said, self-induced healing occurred. As healthcare professionals began to listen Many years ago, the American Holistic Medical Association started. We were all, you know, they're a bunch of quacks doing crazy things. But, you know, the people who joined were not. They were doctors who saw that there was more to healing. You know, really the whole picture, not just here's a prescription, here's a pill, have an operation, um, but let's look at the whole picture. So everything was brought in. And that's what made it holistic. And I love the term self-induced healing. It's not about spontaneity and miracles. It's about self-induced. So give your body the message. It's all scientific. Your genes don't decide. They get a message and then they perform. So give them live messages. That the power of the, of the caregiver, nurse, doctor, carries a lot of weight in people's minds. So... There was some stubborn patient who saw some substance on TV and said, well, I want that, some experimental drug. And uh, the doctor came in with a hypodermic filled with water and said, look, I was able to get you one treatment of this really special drug, and I'm going to give it to you right now. And it had a remarkable, extraordinary effect on this man's physical health. Mm-hmm. And he gave story after story about that, that mental state. Uh, belief, bringing more joy into your life, maybe getting rid of toxic people and toxic things in your life will just kind of boost your immune system. And it may not bring you back from a terminal uh, diagnosis, but then again, maybe it will. You never know. Now, I had another kind of weird technical question for you. You were talking <laughs> about the lymphatic system, which most of us don't know much about. And I, I only know a little about. The lymph system has lymph nodes throughout your whole body. Most people usually think of it in terms of cancer treatments and 
like after, let's say, a radical mastectomy or, or radiation treatments where lymph nodes are destroyed and then uh, someone winds up with a very large arm from swelling. Um, but actually, after any procedure, you're, you could be at risk for damage to your lymph nodes. So the lymphatic system is like almost like a kidney system. It's a filtration system in your body. And it filters out all the um, cellular waste in your system. It pumps through the heart it, and you excrete the waste in your urine. But it will, it's an open-ended system. So it's not like your venous or arterial system, which will pump, right? It's attached to the heart. So it's going to pump no matter what. And if you're uh, moving a little bit, it should work on its own. The lymphatic system requires you to be mobile or to have exterior compression put on if you're not mobile or having lymphedema issues. So it's a very important system for disease healing and wound healing um, because it's filtering out all that waste. Thanks for that. Really uh, stuff I didn't know, but sounds important. <laughs> So that's like part of the reason why like you no longer sit around after surgery or an injury and lay in bed for, you know, until you're healed. Like as long as you're allowed to get up, they want you up. And oh. that's part of the reason. I've heard about that, but I didn't realize that was part of it really. That's... Yeah. I mean, it's multiple reasons like your lungs, they want to make sure your lungs are working and that way you don't develop blood clots and things like that, but also so you don't develop edema. So lymphedema is, or lymph problems is really like chronic, chronic edema. Great. Um, well, that's not great for the person, but no. <laughs> thanks for explaining that. <laughs> I kind of wanted to, to in the last part of our interview, at least this one, because I'm sure we'll talk again, to talk about practical things people can do to uh, potentially strengthen their immune system day to day and to be prepared if uh, they do you end up with a wound or surgery or unexpected health issues. What are things you believe people should practice day to day to boost immune system? For instance, I was thinking when you were talking about the lymphatic system, does being well hydrated assist? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Making sure you're taking in fluid because um, lymph fluid is, is thicker. It's like protein rich fluid. Um, so it requires you to be hydrated. Otherwise, it, the whole system gets sluggish. So absolutely, you know, if you're even if you're laid up, drink, making sure that you're drinking water. I always tell my folks to keep an insulated water bottle near them because they've got to drink. And then if they drink a lot, they're going to have to get up and go pee. So get up and walk to the bathroom. And then while you're up, walk around a little bit because that's going to keep everything going. And it's good, uh, like we talked about, for your mood, right? Like you're, all right, maybe I'm not moving like I normally do, but at least I'm still moving. What you eat is huge. You yeah, let's get into that. Could you? You, you won't hear about that too much. Like your doctor may or may not mention anything. It may be like a passing comment, but... If you're dealing with an injury, definitely I would suggest looking into an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, what would that include? 
lots of water, lots of hydration, cut back on all the white stuff, the sugars, the white flowers, those are just inflammatory, creating more problems in your body. Lots of fruits and vegetables, citrus is good. What does citrus do for us? It just makes you a little bit more acidic, so it helps to like break down the fats that are in your system. Again, just trying to keep all those pipes open and clear and working. Any other tricks up your sleeve in terms of diet you can suggest to uh, either people who want to have a stronger immune system or heal faster? Well, your multivitamins, all of those are good too. Make sure you're getting in some vitamins. Branch chain amino acids are good for blood flow. Where do we get those? It's kind of surprising, but a lot of the like blockchain amino acids and beetroot Nitric oxide are all really great for blood flow. So that's going to help with healing whatever injury as well. You also mentioned some sort of vibrational uh, techniques. Those are, no, I'm kind of throwing our conversation out because we're talking about whether or not you have a wound. But maybe we can close with a little, maybe and give us a couple of tips about those vibrational units. And it seems like you talk about the fact that everything in life is vibrational and if we, we harmonize ourselves, maybe maybe we're healthier and happier. Absolutely. Get out in the world, right? See, Get some sun, feel the air, get out there and, and participate and remember that you're alive and you want to stay alive. And that's why we're here to, to heal and all the good things that you could do once you're feeling better. I think you're referring to the biofrequency medicine that I work with, and that's a, a company called ANF, and they do, um, it's wearable energy technology. I think that that might be what you're referring to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so those are, our whole body is, you know, runs on frequencies or energetic beings. And when we're ill or sick or wounded, our frequency is off. And so these um, wearable medical devices, um, when used appropriately, can help to have the body find homeostasis again and to support the healing. So I use it all the time with folks for pain and inflammation. I've used it for them for wound healing, and it's literally just applying these sticky discs with that are all embedded with different frequencies wherever is needed. Can they benefit people without wounds who just want to kind of tune themselves up? Absolutely. I've used it on folks to calm them down when they're super stressed or just feeling like really down. I use it with my back pain all the time, gut issues, autoimmune issues. There's lots of people doing some really cool things with it. Well, that's a really interesting note to end on. You've given us so many uh, intriguing things and helpful things about health and healing in our, our short talk. So Heather Flexer, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Triple Helix podcast and uh, be well. I know you more likely will be than most of us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for joining the Triple Helix podcast presented by Human Biosciences. Your host was Dan Bernard.